Now that you're back, I mean, put that on your agenda. Oh, for, for they moved the festival sure. from the fall to the springtime. Yeah. And it, and that particular uh, event goes off at sure. One Eye Jacks. And, sure. uh, I, I mean, I'm very interested. I've been one of the things. That's I great, man. I indulge a lot more these days. Also, music for film. So I, I'm always like. Oh really? Out. Yeah, that's so I'm always right. like spending a lot more time dealing with that because I was doing more of that when I was there. And, Leading up to that, which is one of the reasons I poured out. So I might have been totally fascinated. I mean, I'm, sorry, I'm always a film fanatic anyway, but then, you know, now it's like a, the amount that I'm engaged with is up dramatically since mm. the last, last year is just fascination. I'm always glad when there's some kind of more grassroots film culture type stuff going on, especially, you know, the year that that's happening here is kind of a great thing, you know. I, I really want to applaud those guys too, man. It's Randy Perez and Jackie Schulman uh-huh. who uh, put that thing together, and some other very important key players as well, and uh, uh, Aaron Russian among them. That you know, <laughs> I'll just say it. I mean, it's and and you know, and I, you know, not to be bitter, but um, myself and I think several other people in the late 90s, early 2000s, we just kind of had had enough with the New Orleans Film Festival. Yeah. Because it seemed as though the local filmmakers, independent filmmakers, if it's not hard enough, you know, at least it can be a fucking party. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you make your film, Uh like, the worst feeling in the world after you spend that much time because I like, and what I like and is satisfying about music is this. You make a song, and I mean, you can just make several of them. You can have songs that don't work, and you have songs that work. Yeah. You work on it. The amount of effort um, is, you know, directly proportional to the level of complexity and the instrumentation, um, you know, which can range from the very complex and difficult to the very simple. Um, but you never have that in filmmaking, no matter what level you're making films at. Absolutely. It's always complex. Oh, it's yeah. always deeply involved. Uh-huh. It's always a lot of work. And why is that? What's because the, is because the requirements for it just dictate uh-huh. that it has to be that way. Because you know? of... All uh, kinds of reasons. One is like, like de- if you do sound in yeah. your film, you know, it's like dealing with elemental sound. Uh-huh. You know, having the level of complexity of like of sponge bathing uh, audio into something that's palatable for an audience that watches films is so much more uh, complex on an order of magnitude than dealing with fucking music that it's not even funny, you know? And uh, so you have to do that and figure out a way to find an individual who's willing to devote some time and who actually has expertise in that niche. That's right. Right? Okay. That's that's a difficulty right there. Okay, so... And then, you know, you have to deal with, uh, nowadays, you know, like, enormous amounts of data. Where are you going to put it? Where, what editing system are you going to use? You have to color correct it at the end. Your edit has got to be tight, right? And, and so, and then you have to watch it a thousand times over and over again, okay? So imagine just one song on an egg yolk record. If at the end of an egg yolk record, I'm complaining that I listened to that song 55 times, that is nothing compared to making a film. And a film is one song. 
Oh, I know. Basically. The amazing thing about films is even weirder. Like, if you go to write music for films or something, I mean, I have, I got a documentary There's that in my house aspect right of now, it, too. I'm, I have to watch, stick to music on there and watch it. Yes. And it goes on for days, and you're re-watching, you're yes. re-watching it. Yes. Let alone the, the sickness that you feel about listening to pieces of music over and over again if you're doing server recording, which you just alluded to. If it's 55 times, and, you're, and by the time you get out of the studio, you're going to, like, you know jump in a late you're like you don't want to hear the record ever no. again for, <laughs> no. <laughs> right. so but you know and then what but what for to do with the picture is really crazy because you ha- you you have and you have to keep checking you got to leave you got to come back and then you're like ah, it's a second off the rhythm doesn't correspond to the picture i'm gonna have to move this maybe i can write something completely different i you know i this this shenanigans goes on meanwhile exactly. while you're listening, you know if it's a documentary you're listening to some guy who's you know, you've had this guy doing the same line in your in your face, like for <laughs> you know, for an endless amount of rewinding right. and watching right. this, right. Exactly. you know, to the point where your head is you know exactly. just fired. Like, well, right. the th- at this point in my life, blah blah blah, whatever, you know, whatever. Well, the thing and is because you, you rack <laughs> up, you rack up such a volume of material, you know, take after take after take, uh, <clears throat> you know, location after location, day after day. Right, and then when you're when you're working on these really big budget films, you know it's just footage on an order of magnitude that's just fucking tremendous. And so you've worked on big budget. You know, I've worked on a few, yeah, exactly. Okay. And it's it, like doing it, what? I was oh, I mean, you name it, man. I've done like everything. I mean, probably on like big budget films. I mean, maybe the biggest thing that I did was like I did like the behind the scenes video, you know, okay. like one of these right relatively moderate budget. Kind of uh, movies, you know, but I mean, I definitely in the early days I kind of I did some production assistant work, and, and you know I was attached to like the electrical department, and uh-huh. I was a, you know, but but see that that's the beginning of the process of kind of the end, in a way. <laughs> I, I hate to say it, film students, listen, it's the truth, man. Here's here's what I tell people who want to get into it, and this is it, okay? It's like if you want. You don't even know what the path is, as a matter of fact, when uh-huh. you get involved in it. And most people in film schools don't know themselves uh-huh. because they didn't stay in the business, uh-huh. you know, except at the highest level film schools, right. you know. And, uh, and so, like, people don't really know this. They, they, especially, this is one mistake that people make all the time. They think, I'm going to be a cameraman. Okay, well, what, are you, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to be a production assistant with the camera department. That's your first mistake. Right off the bat. You just made an error. Okay? And you don't realize it, but the truth is, what you want to be is an assistant to the electricians. Uh-huh. And then you want to become a, a, a grip. And then you want to become a gaffer. You know, or you want to become a best boy. And then you want to become a gaffer. Uh-huh. Right? Once you become a gaffer, then you're doing lighting. Uh-huh. And then you're taking Polaroids of the lighting. Uh-huh. Right? And then... Somebody says, you're a really good freaking lighting guy. Why don't you get behind the camera? Uh-huh. The next thing you know, you got a bunch of embittered people who think that they've been in line waiting to be camera people. I see. Who, who don't realize that their job caps out at, at first assistant cameraman. Oh, this is very interesting. Because when you get really good at that job, you develop a reputation as being yeah. really good at the job. And you know what people want? They want you to stay in that fucking job. Yeah. Right? Right. You know? right, 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 right. So you have to be this master tactician yeah. when you get into that business, you know, or you have to think very tactically, yeah. you know, in this kind of way that's borderline Machiavellian, you know, uh-huh. where you're just like, hey, 
Where, how, what are the real paths to me getting to this right here? Yeah. You know, now people think about directing. Directing is really there's only three paths to directing, right. and two of them have nothing to do with filmmaking. Okay. Right. Uh -huh. One is being a novelist, mm -hmm. right, or some form of screenwriter, uh -huh. right. The other one is uh, to be a play, uh, to direct a theater. Theater, perfect. Exactly. Right. You know, if you can prove that you have enough of the knowledge, uh, working knowledge of, uh, of, uh, of filmmaking technique, and you have a successful background as a director in, uh, in theater, you can make the jump over to film. Okay. You know, and that happens all the time. Hmm. The only other path is coming out of editing. Uh, that's another one. And people think, well, you just sit in an office all day, and well, you yeah, edit, things. and it's like, yeah, but I learn everything about how film is constructed. Sure, yeah. You know, so so the, 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 the paths the paths are really obfuscated. You know, every now and again, a cinematographer makes a jump to being a director. Yeah. Too, you know, but the paths are very, very, they're cloudy. Yeah. You know, and 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 anyway, and there's one other way that you can do it. You know, and that is to like keep on keeping on making some films like what we're doing and then they and they get noticed and somebody says hey man these yeah. guys have got some talent here you gotta take yeah. a look at that you know? uh -huh. I mean that's like kind of the story right. of the in comedy of the South Park guys you know uh -huh. like they made a spec thing and it got passed around at some Christmas party uh -huh. you know I mean a lot of those mythologies are bullshit anyway yeah. but on some level there's a there's a layer of truth to that you know um, so you know, I, I just think, you know, that's the path that I've chosen for this stuff. And, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm grateful for the fact that we, you know, we're continuing to make that. And Ego got together and put together the music for this thing, Great. too, you know, so it's really cool. Now, this, uh, there's uh, three things from what we just covered that I, that I want to just step back on, uh, just, just, just that came up. Uh, one is the relationship or what or how what the influences between from film to music and the music or then the backwards from that and um, and the other is uh, you really we really have a feeling here about Louisiana music is there really an idea about Louisiana film uh, you know or some kind of way in which that plugs in or your sensibility here the way that you look at that that goes into the filmmaking. I, they may, those may all be no's and dead ends. I just want to ask them. As no, they're as not. Well. They're not. I wish I could say in filmmaking that there was a definitive style, you know, that comes out of the city. And I think, you know, in some sense that's kind of a dream. Um, because, you know, so many people out of, like, you know, the big major cities can say that. You know, Woody Allen and others, you know, Sidney Lumet, you know, yeah. I mean, it's a total New York sensibility, you know, right. and it's just, it's just oozing out of every pore, mm -hmm. you know, whereas what we have here is we have a, a, a constant replay of people from without interpreting what's going on here, uh -huh. and, and not people who are from here. Uh -huh. That's why those movies out of New York register is so genuine, I think, you yeah. know, because New York's, you know, huge, I mean, obviously, the penultimate city of America, you know, right. and <clears throat> the big theater scene and all of the creative arts that go 
that, that, that happened in that city all fuel this engine where that's possible, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but here, you know, what's the closest thing that we've had, you know, the closest film where we've ever gotten to something that, that could be described as like a kind of genuine core, maybe. It might be Belize or the Cajun. Okay. It might be and that I movie. Well, you know, <laughs> right? I mean, uh -huh. it's like, I, I can't pick out of the air another film that I can think of, mm -hmm. you know? And, and, you know, there you go. I mean, here's the filmmakers from South Louisiana, you know? I mean, it makes a difference to spend your childhood in a place, yeah. you know? It really does. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and uh, you know, all of these, that emotional trauma that you experience in your, in your teenage years, you know, and, in your, and before that, preteen years and everything, and, and, you know, experiencing the systems that are in place educationally, uh, you know, infrastructure-wise, government, things like that, that, mm -hmm. that have impacts on your lives and formulate your worldview. It's, it's super important uh -huh. to, uh, you know, when you're formulating a kind of like genuine vision. Um, you know, which is like kind of in one way, like I really didn't want to go see that movie that was made, you know, with the beasts of the magical... Wild, the southern. Yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't see it either. For the I same, just same reason there was something bothering me. Yeah, I mean, I just I was like, I just I don't want to see a magical representation, you know, of of this place. This is by someone who hasn't either been here long enough, or is actually from here. You yeah. know, it hurts. Yeah. In a way, yeah. you know, and uh, and and. You know, I guess people would say, you know, you're being closed-minded about that, you know, but I was like, no, nah, I just don't. I, some of the imagery just really turned me off, you know, and I just didn't want to, mm -hmm. I didn't want to deal with it, you know. Um, but, but it just shows you, like, the resonance that it has with people not from here that, that it's like, oh, wow, somebody turned Louisiana into, you know, uh, you know, a kind of magical realism, like, uh, you know. You know, like a Garcia Marquez. <laughs> I, God, it annoys me, man. <laughs> it really does, uh, and it really, I just, that's so frustrating for me, in a way, you know. But I guess I can't complain, you know, because, you know, it's like, well, you know, if you had a solution, grab yourself by your bootstraps and go, go do something, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but you asked the question about musically, like, how does it? How does how's the film back up into the back there? What's the impact of the film on the, on film on or movie making? On, I will on, say on that, the, like in in terms of a visual style, of, like of the kinds of stuff that I shoot, yeah. I mean, there's no question that it has an influence. There's no question about it because I gravitate toward things that I think are just uh, the the cultural disposition that I have is a, a bit laissez-faire, you know, like, I, I really enjoy when people break the rules, you know, uh -huh. and I think a city, that this city is, you know, I mean, it's, it's about that, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. more than any other city in America, you know, I mean, it's just like, there is a culture of, like, not listening to rules yeah. in New Orleans, yeah. period, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, so, like, when people ask me, like, uh, you know, like, what, oh, somebody put it out 
on Facebook the other day, like, what are the 15 films that changed your life? And it's like, well, that's that's extremely different question than what are your 15 favorite films, yeah. you know? And, and for me, it's like, you know, that one of those has got to be like the kid stays in the picture. Like, when that movie got made, I was like, that that is one of the most revolutionary films that's been made in the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. And the fact that this, like, old, grizzled Hollywood fucking producer put that together and imagined this thing that was basically like a book on tape mm-hmm. as a quote-unquote documentary, mm-hmm. it's just not possible to call that film a documentary. Mm-hmm. It's not anything other than what it is, mm-hmm. you know? He's telling his own story. He's telling it unfettered. There's no one to retort. Mm-hmm. There's no one to say, no, Robert, it wasn't that way. Mm-hmm. You were a total fucking dick. Right, right. And that's why I left you, mm-hmm. you know? He just says, that's Steve McQueen. I could have busted him in his chops. You know? Uh, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> he was always around. And, it, and but, but, but there's a freedom in that, uh-huh. you know? And, and that freedom is really uh, fun, to 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 engage and uh, and I like stuff like that. That's why I really like Spike Lee movies. Like like a lot of people like Spike Lee movies for a lot of different reasons, but not necessarily the first amongst them is because the visual style that he engages mm-hmm. is amongst the freest of yeah. anyone who's operating in Hollywood. Uh-huh. When he was in his heyday, he took more risks with camera work than any other filmmaker, period. No one even ever, no one came close to the kinds of things that Spike Lee was doing. We used to talk about it all the time, at least amongst those of us who were hip Uh to that kind of shit. Uh You know, when he shot the scene in uh, Mo' Better Blues, where the dude is hanging upside down when he's high, right? It's like he's hanging off a crane, it's on a dolly, and the camera is affixed to the crane, so it doesn't. So his body like doesn't move, but the background does uh-huh. whenever the camera moves, wow. and he's hanging upside down, and that conveys the high. Well, a lot of people were were critical of that. You know, oh, it's too much, and it's about what's too much? What do you mean it's too yeah. much? Yeah, you know, he's upside down yeah. in his life. Yeah, you know, he's an addict. Uh-huh. You know. And here's our guy, man. He's like, you know, he's in, he's, you know, he's reaching back into some French New Wave, you know, and he's saying, I'm going for it. Uh-huh. You know, right. why should we be reject such a maverick idea? It's great. Yeah. For me, yeah. I just love it. You know, American Pimp. It's a documentary, and they're shooting angles like 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 all these Ken Burns documentaries. It's like this shot. Yeah. Like that. Right. right? These guys go out. The Hughes brothers. And they're shooting from the highest angle possible. Yeah. Like, like, I mean, you never see an interview shot from a, an angle that's just like extremely high angle yeah. on the right. subject, you know? Or they got like what they call Dutch angles where like the head on the tripod is canted somewhat, uh-huh. you know, and it's underneath it and everything. And I'm like, this thing was so fucking hip, man. Uh-huh. It was just like, I mean, you can say what you want about the subject matter, but I defy you to challenge the visual, uh, uh, the, uh, you know, the audacity of that, you know, to make a documentary that's like, that's visually uh, uh, interesting 
I I just I freaking love the movie about uh, Harvey Pekar that came out. Oh yes, a couple right. uh, American Splendor. Yes, wow, wow what a great fucking yeah. movie, man. I mean, here you got the guy, and then he's having a dialogue with his animated self. Yeah, you know, I'm like that's creativity yeah. in filmmaking uh-huh. for crying out loud, you know. And those are the kinds of things that I look for when when you know when I'm endeared to movies that like you know that really change me, you know. Like that's the kind of stuff that I really would like. Uh, to be a part of, and I think uh, you'll see when this film comes out, you know, that there's some, there's some of that in there. So you said, but you mentioned. So let me ask a question. So how does that relate to music? Yeah, what yeah. Did, or does it? I mean, do you does your filmmaking, uh, your knowledge from filmmaking, or the way you approach filmmaking, or what the ends of it that, that you're involved in or have been involved in? Is there some way that that approach goes back into say I go Jubilee or something? Sure, I think so. You know, because what? I think it's a willingness to experiment, and so it's like. You know, experimentation is, is, well, you get more skilled at it, you know, I think the older you get, mm-hmm. you know, um, maybe not, I don't know, maybe that's not the same experience for everybody, but it is mine now, you know, because mm-hmm. there's just some kind of, like, uh, mechanism in your, in your mind that uh, begins to become more sophisticated and honed mm-hmm. over time, uh, where you're able to... To, to shunt off ideas that you're like, well, uh, you know, I like it, but it's, it's just too radical because, because you're, you're at a level where you can, you have enough forethought into the edit that you can think of it and say, I just don't see that as something that's going to work. And, and, and in music, I think it's like kind of the same thing, you know? And, you know, so for instance, on our last record, Fried, you know, we finally put down uh, Call for All Demons as a tune, oh, you know, right. and we had, uh, which we've played for years, and, and, uh, and, and so we had Quintron come in, uh-huh. you know, and it was just an experiment, you know, uh-huh. and, uh, and we're like, okay, well, let's just do the drum buddy thing, and that, and, and we're going to have the drummer... He's just going to tap it out on the hi-hat behind you, you know. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I would say for like two-thirds of that cut, you know, I mean, the original version's like 18 minutes long. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so it's like there's, an, there's some edits in the one on the record, you know, yeah. but I would say within that, um, you know, two-thirds of it works pretty well. Uh-huh. Um, now, you know, when it came down to soloing, for me, I was like, you know, I just, I just don't. This warrants something like really dry as a bone, uh-huh. you know, and not, not with a lot of sustain, you know, and not with a lot of fluidity at yeah. all, but really dry and cutting, uh-huh. you know, which is normally, you know, kind of sort of not the way that I play solos on top of most A-Yoke songs, uh-huh. you know, but, um, but I was willing to give it a go, uh-huh. you know, I'm like, man, of all the things on that record that I'm the most enamored of, it's like that fucking solo, Interesting. you know, really, seriously, and, and, and for me, it like taps into, uh, into Lou Thevenot, really, you uh-huh. know, if I was going to say that I was really like grabbing off of somebody yeah. for that, you know, uh, subconsciously, I, it would be his style of playing. Yeah, he really had a great way. Of, he has a great way of playing guitar. Yeah, yeah, he has a great way. 
So I don't know if I adequately answer that, but I mean, I would say mostly it's like it, it's a it's a common thread of experimentation across across you know visually and film and across attempting to do different things in okay in, in music. So I th I understand where you're where you're seeing that now now. Um, one other thing you talked about, though, was that you talked about the reverence thing in music and that not being there in 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 the culture of people making other art arts so visual, whether it's film or whatever photography we talked about. Now, what is the mentality that goes on in, is culturally in film that is more there than music, and how are they different from each other? Oh well, what I was relating to earlier is that uh, that there was this uh, uh, proselytization of ideas in music that's greater than in film, you know? But, I mean, at, at the highest level, that's not true, okay? So, and, and, and I would recant it somewhat for filmmaking uh -huh. than, say, for still photography, which is the example that we were, that is what we were going up against yeah. earlier, yeah. Um, because there, there are, you know, a set of rules, as it were, you know, <laughs> that apply to, yeah. uh, to, uh, to, to filmmaking, you know, and, uh, and just like in, in, you know, just like in music, it's like, you, some of them you really don't want to argue against. I mean, you just don't, yeah. you know, because they're not going to make any sense. You're going to lose continuity. It's like arguing against, you know, playing a drum without a drum head. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be some crazy person who's going to say, "Yeah, no, I can, I can handle that, man." Yeah. And just tap it out on the side of the drum, you know. Yeah. But it's going to be to the chagrin of all the other musicians, you know. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And it's going to be like, "No, that's a little too much." Man. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And it's like, it's like, so like, you know, the 180 rule is one. Yeah. <laughs> and I was watching one of these shows. Gosh, you know, because we have the t TV night on Sunday night at the bar. Yeah. And so it was kind of obvious in the last season. This is a t terrible example, but you know, true blood. Uh -huh. And uh, But it was obvious that, like, some younger people had been given the reins. Uh -huh. And they're jumping over the 180, man. Well, you know what happens is, like, you know, your character is talking to itself. You know, the producers. I mean, how the hell? I, you know, who does this one eighty rule and, and it's that's like, getting by on commercial? It's TV. got by, man. And you know why? Because because they only slightly violated it. Okay, so in other words, if you decided to put the camera on the side of you and I talking right here, yeah. right? One's going to be here. One's going to be facing me. Yeah. And then one is going to have the master shot right, right. here. That's classic style, right? Right. But then, occasionally, if you just move the camera here, but not to a greater degree, you know, uh -huh. so just to this side of you, yeah. then, you know, you, you get away with it. But it's an amateur mistake, you know. Yeah. It is a mistake, you know, and I'm sure yeah. somebody probably pointed out to them. The only way to save yourself from it is to, to move into a reverse shot that's shot in the same way on the other side for a while. Uh -huh. You know, you got to do it for a bit. And then you got to jump to the master shot again, uh -huh. and then get back into your go. rhythm on the other side. Right. Yeah, uh -huh. exactly. Uh -huh. It's just so cumbersome and silly, you know, that it's like if you really wanted to do something radical and different, you should do it within the confines of that, mm -hmm. you know, and obey those rules 
you know, and then fool with other things like lighting, angles, lenses, and all the other, you know, right. uh, techniques that you have available. Yeah. You know, leave that one alone. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, I think some things develop linguistically as a full component. It's almost like a conversational component. Like, that is a thing. If you're going to set up that sort of effect, that's, we got that one. If you're looking for experimentation that's in another. Right. You, don't don't start with that as the right, system, right, you know? right, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, exactly. unless you have some deeply symbolic point or something that you make reference to. I mean, it shows up in music. Well, so. you know, and I mean, people thought that it was radical, but it turned out not to be. You know, I, I think really, like, a lot of ideas in film are, you know, film's still an evolving medium, you know, yeah. as and, and whether or not music is more evolved at this point. Um, you know, I mean, it's a young art form, yeah. and I mean, all the way into the '60s. I, well, let me complete complete that thought. It's like you know, I mean, there's a lot of debate about whether everything has been done in music, you know. Yeah. And it's like, I, I mean, of course that's not true. Yeah. You know? But um, but in film, I think sometimes the leaps forward are uh, a little bit more pronounced than they are in music. You know? Yeah. And they're always heralded when they come out as like something radical, you know, but it's not radical. It's just the discovery that the human mind is able to absorb something that heretofore was not a convention. Right. Now it can be. Yeah. You know? And that in in a lot of ways was the uh you know, was the, the French Revolution in cinema in the in the nineteen sixties, the new wave. You know, the compression of time across space doesn't require all of this like intermediate movement, right? You know, we don't need all this other blather. You know, we can just chop all that shit out and get from one place to the next, and uh, and people will not, frankly, be bothered by it. Yep. And uh, and making that leap forward seemed incredibly brave at the time, but it just seems like common sense now. Yeah. You know, like nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's similar things with close-up. I mean, yeah, film's lovely with that. With, with right, the close-up and, and things all. like that. Uh, yeah, yeah right, exactly, right. where people thought, hey, look, if we don't shoot people in a full body, you know, <laughs> it's just going to terrify them. Man. Yeah, they're you not going to get it. It's it. like, I mean, people, the mind is moving in, in its imaginative sphere along with you. The director, the cinematographer, everybody who had a hand in the creativity of that film, yeah. the audience is participating in that creativity as they're watching it. Right. You know, a part of that is condescending, in a way that people have a fear of that. It's condescending because you're assuming that the audience is too stupid and on a level to really like move with that intelligence and creativity. You know, they're they're really not. They're smarter than you think. Yeah. You know? I mean. We can make argu arguments about outward intelligence and tastes and all this kind of stuff, but look, um, n you know, nobody would have gone to see, you know, other than people who like art house cinema, French New Age films in the 1960s, but here, you know, fast forward 20 years later, and the techniques in those films are like, you know, used in every major every film. Everyone. Everyone. Like, yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, right. And it just becomes normalized. Yeah. Right. You know, so it's just a matter of time, you know, before people get used to it, you know. And frankly, John, like one of the things is that, you know, still have these arguments now and it's starting to get desperate. Uh, you know, it's it's time for people to let go of the idea of film in general. You yeah. Know? It's right. just time. 
we're, we're moving into another world. Yeah. We don't know what it is yet, mm-hmm. but we definitely know that it's arriving, as, yeah. like with every passing day. Yeah. And, and that boulder has been rolling downhill uh, you know, for 15 years now. And what's going on with that is that, is that like, for instance, I heard, you know, two or three weeks ago on NPR that Tarantino and Scorsese and a few other people are going to shore up the filmmaking uh, manufacturing part of, of Kodak. Kodak is going out of business. Yeah. They're, they're going out of business. You know, film is going to die. Yeah. It is. And it, 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 does, it does, I mean, those guys are all wealthy guys, but they don't have enough money to, like, prop up even that much of an industry. Right, right. You know, I mean, it really requires a lot of sales. And if, if already half of the industry is producing things on digital, you know, yeah, they'd have to be able to make film. The, the problem is, is really, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a monetary thing. It's too expensive. It, once you have the option out there for it to be the other way, it becomes like trying to make uh, an ordinary object always out of diamonds. You know, you get crazy. We're, we're, we're going back to making forks out of, out of, out of, out of some rare metal. Exactly. You, well, well, who's going to, I mean, nobody's going to do it. The one's going, you know, no one's going to do it. You know, maybe and a few sheiks in Arabia are going to, you know, <laughs> the, the, you know, it's really kind of like a threefold thing. It's that, it's that, you know, once Kodak lost its, lost its, uh, commercial retail business, you know, the death knell was really kind of sounded because I mean, if you go to their corporate annual meeting, they're going to pull up a pie chart of sales, you know, and they're going to say you know, 95% of our sales, you know, is of these little rolls of film right here. And there's 1% of our sales is from fucking motion picture film. Yeah. You know, a very proud 1%. Yeah. You know, but still not, but enough. Still not enough, you know. Yeah. And, and really, the research and development that goes into developing new stocks and things that, you know, are designed to compete with the emerging digital technologies yeah. is more than it's worth. You know? Yeah, I, I, and plus, yeah, I mean, it, we have this, I mean, look, you know, I, uh, not, it's, you're, I'm here to interview, but it's, it, I, I find it very interesting even that they would want to compete back in the other direction because, I mean, I suppose the thing that they're attempting to save with that is similar in music. It's, in music, it's the same thing. You see people going back to recording on vinyl or they're right. going back to recording sure. this way. Well, it, you know, and, and, and people make economic arguments and all kinds of all kinds of things with this, and I think the main the, the main problem that you have is, is that there's a whole bunch of people who recognize that well now we're we only develop at the same rate as the microprocessor, so we're selling it to slave we're only slave, we're slaves to that. Whereas at least with film cameras and film, the development happened at the rate that you came up with an idea. Now the idea is entirely tied up with. You know, yeah. the guy at the guy guy at Intel came up with a thing that processes this much information. So all of a sudden, we make movies that involve that much information. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> uh, all of a sudden, we make music that deals with that amount of information. Right, and right. Before we had thought of an idea, and then you work. <laughs> I'm sure. You, yeah, you, yeah. you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I think that that that's what people are bemoaning is that particular is that particular feature, which I'm not really sure you. Get by just, I mean, obviously, there's something beautiful about having you know silver instead of tin, but you know, yeah, and and I, I agree with that too. I mean, I, I think in audio, well, look, you, you have to engage the particularities of each piece of engineering that produces uh, either audio or or visual 
you know. And, and there is, uh, you know, in tube, analog, tape-based oversaturation, something that's appealing. Yeah. I mean, there just is, you know. It, it was a mistake of engineering. Yeah. It's at the top end of the physics of tubes, you know, when they're, when they're being worked to their maximum, yeah. that uh, um, there's many theoretical physicists who de don't even understand why that, and particularly yeah. that happens, you know, but in, in that space, there's something appealing, you know, that, yeah. that, that goes into distortion. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's appealing and musical to the ear. And uh, there's a clip in, in digital that doesn't necessarily allow for that and, and all of the tricks that they've come up with to kind of get around it, um, I think most of them are, you know, if you did a blind hearing t test, most people wouldn't be able to tell you, you know, one way or another if it was like mastered on tape. Or well, right. it's like right, but I mean, digital. Part, part of that is because people. I mean, they, I mean, this is. But if you get into you know psychophysics, and I'm sure you've been through this down this route somewhat. I mean, it turns out that people only hear what it is that they're accustomed to hear. So if you start right. taking, and it, it is a phenomenon. Sure. It's like it's like a muscular situation. So in fact, in fact, they'll have a preference for it. In other words, it's like it's like now the kids have a preference. For MP3s, even though they have less of a frequency response, they, we pull all the frequencies out, and they think it sounds more correct than to have all that in there. That's registering to them as a noise component, or 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 a kind of or a kind of uh, a kind of fuzz. So the fact that you now have a the, the, the actually compression is sounding better to them. Very weird. But okay. can, I, can I can I go ahead? I, I, yeah, let me just put this one out there. There's this weird thing with uh, and this is directly analogous in film and visual media. In Sanyo TVs, LCD TVs that they manufacture, there is a refresh rate problem that causes high-budget films to look like daytime soap operas. Okay. <laughs> the biggest budget film that you can watch. You will watch it and you'll be like, oh my God, that was shot on video. Uh-huh. It looks like that. Uh, well, uh, now, there's no less money being poured into this thing. Uh -huh. It's just that, in some weird reverse way, when you run it through this filter, that's what it comes out of. Uh -huh. <clears throat> that, the, there's no explanation for it except for the, the psychosocial phenomenon that, you were, that you're describing. Yeah. If video had predated film, and believe me, they were a lot closer than people think. Yeah. You know, if video had predated film, you would think that film stinks. 